Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Your host, Oscar Lopez. Uh, today, unfortunately, we will not have Inkishi Free or Troy Wilson, but I do have uh, the talented uh, linebacker of the Seattle Majestics who's uh, on rehab and had a successful surgery, which is Holly Custis. Uh, Holly, are you on? I am here. Awesome, Holly. Thanks for joining me today and uh, last minute notice and covering up for. Uh, the Blitz today, since our co-hosts are uh, pretty much out of commission at this point. So we're going to have a great time today, Holly, uh, together with myself. We have a special guest today, and that's Chicago Blitz uh, kicker, and her name is Jules Harshbarger, and she is an amazing columnist as well for Cleek Geeks, and we'll talk to her about her journey as well. So Holly, uh, how's the rehab going? Uh, it is going. I just had my surgery on Friday, um, I got released from the hospital finally yesterday afternoon, so I'm just kind of holed up in my apartment for the next couple of weeks, uh, trying to uh, rehab a little bit so I can, you know, go back to work and, and start the process of returning back to football eventually. Now, was this something that was uh, that happened? I think it was, you said it was at practice, right? Yeah, um, so basically, I spent a whole week in New Orleans um, uh, for the uh, Women's World uh, Games at the Saints facilities, which was amazing. It was like football Christmas all week. And so I was really, I had a great time. And then I, I, come, I came back, and the first practice back with my uh, home team, um, it was something very simple. There was no contact. Uh, we were just running offensive plays against air, and I was running a flood route. And basically what I did was I was uh, running straight and I went to plant off my left foot to go inside towards the right. And when I did, my foot got stuck in the turf. And so it was planted 
uh, it was planted in at the same time that my leg hyperextended straight and then beyond straight, like it kind of bowed up towards my hip. And so um, oh, wow. according to the doctors, basically what I did was I tore my LC- my LCL so hard that um, I took bone fragments with it. And then when the knee wow. went to kind of uh, recorrect itself the other direction, um, I partially tore my PCL and I had a, a divot in my femur. Um, so they took me to the ER. Um, and when I got there, I was sitting in the wheelchair. I was looking at my leg. And it didn't look it didn't look right. Um, there was a huge lump that was maybe four or five inches south of my knee, um, and I I was like that doesn't look right. And the doctor didn't know what it was, and we took X-rays, and that was the the fracture part of it. That was the bone fragment. Um, but the good news is, originally there were supposed to be two surgeries, um, but uh, they got it all done in one. And it was successful. Um, so the um, doctor told me that I should be good to go to return in about 10 or 11 months around there. Uh, so it would be a long process, but um, it's definitely something that um, that I'm excited to. I'm excited to get back to work, basically. So um, it, it's not fun, but it's part of the game, and I'll get through it. Now, Holly, is it a require? Will we require a brace after rehab at this point, just for safety precautions? Uh, they they might. It depends on uh, you know how how far I get through the rehab process. But likely, I mean, I don't mind playing with a brace as long as I can play. Um, I mean, they're not right. my favorite things in the world. <laughs> I'd rather not play with one. But if I have to, I have to. It's not a big deal. So really, what it was, it was a snag that just basically kind of tugged and pulled, and then all of a sudden dislodged your knee, pretty much. Yeah, uh, basically it's a hyperextension. It's really hard for me to kind of explain over the phone. But, like, if you – I'm trying to think of a way to explain it. So, you know how, like, your your leg goes straight up and down perpendicular to the ground, right? And that's a hyperextension. It went beyond that. So, you know how the knee normally bends? It bent the other way. It it bowed the other direction. So, basically, I hyperextended it so hard – that a bunch of stuff came apart. Right, right, right. Well, we're glad that the surgery went well, and we're glad that you are uh, obviously in good state recovering. And I'm, I'm pretty sure with some complimentary pain, pain, pain meds, um, you'll be okay for a little while until it subsides a little yeah. bit where you can control the pain. So yeah. um, I'm getting to the point we, where I'm trying to we, wean myself off of them. <laughs> Well, of course, but, you know, it's always necessary within the first round. So maybe within 90 oh, yeah. days or so it, it actually subsides, uh, you know, but yeah. at the first initial aspect of it, um, there's always pain, <laughs> no matter what, yeah. uh, especially for sleeping and being comfortable. That's just usually not the case, especially when you're at the beginning of the stage of uh, recovery. Right. Um, the the one thing that we are going to talk about today, besides talking to Jules, um, and we're going to go into the huddle with her in a little bit here at about eight, uh, about twenty after. She's at, I think she's coming off practice um, over there, so she said she'll chime in probably about eight thirty, eight five, which our time would be about forty five minutes from now. So in the meantime, okay. um, your football knowledge is going to be garnered here on 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 the blitz, and we're going to talk right. free agency. Um, and I'm pretty sure since you've had some down TV time, you probably are paying attention to, you know, your team's uh, moves and everything. But, Holly, is it crazy 
the amount of dollars this year, or is it just just me that they're they're throwing out dollars? I mean, I'd like to catch some of those dollars, but you know what I mean? It's just crazy initially. I mean, uh, the caps on some teams are like so, I wouldn't say bad, but they haven't spent this money, and now they have this open checkbook. And um, the quality of players in free agency doesn't seem like, you know, it's top-notch players that we've known in the past. It seems like up and coming. I mean, you give uh, the backup quarterback for Denver, you know, Osweiler, this huge amount of contract, and he's only started like six games. Uh, that just blows right. my mind. You know, he's been going out there, and I would say, you know, there's no scale. And coming from the realm that you come from and where I come from, this is like, you know, you need to shoot me in the head now, put me to sleep, because this is just a lot of money being thrown away, uh, being thrown around certain teams, but that also doesn't guarantee a championship. And I think that's where the, the basis is. A lot of fans are excited, but that doesn't mean just because you're pointing out money that things are going to go the route right. So what's your, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I think every year that uh, we move forward, it's just going to, the dollar signs are, are going to increase and increase. Um, it's just the nature of, of the business of football. Yeah, when you're talking about billions and billions of dollars in TV contracts, it's eventually going to filter down to the players. And um, you're right. I was looking through the list of, um, uh, you know, the free agency transactions, and I was like, well, there's not really a whole lot of huge names out there. I mean, if you're talking about Brock Osweiler, I mean, then that that's telling you that it's not very deep as far as the name recognition goes. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things that I think, It'll continue to go that direction because the TV contracts are, are not going to end in the foreseeable future. And so when they have money to spend, they're going to spend money. And sometimes what they have to spend the money on is not the highest quality. Uh, if you're talking about my Niners, for example, they seem to be kind of waiting for the draft. But other teams are trying to get their hat in the ring with the free agents. And, and so, unfortunately, there's just not much there. Um I mean, for Osweiler, that was kind of surprising to me because he seemed serviceable as the Broncos' backup quarterback, but he's kind of like a Matt Castle guy who, you know, played like a couple of games and all of a sudden he's getting paid millions of dollars. It's it's kind of insane. You're right from our perspective when I'm sitting there in the Saints linebackers um, uh, position group room and I'm sitting with Asit and I'm thinking, God, if I – if this was my job, if I just got paid millions of dollars to wake up and train and learn about football, I, I would be happy. And these people have no idea how could they have it. Um, but I do think it will continue to go that direction. Um, and it also the, the thing about the NFL is that a lot of the, that dollar sign is not guaranteed um, because of the way that the, uh, the uh, contracts are structured. So even though you might see a lot of dollar signs, it doesn't mean that they're actually going to get paid that amount. There's only a certain amount of that contract that's guaranteed. So maybe that's part of it as well. Um, the sticker uh, the uh, sticker shock might actually be uh, a little diluted in the fact that some of that's not actually guaranteed. But I, I don't see that changing in a foreseeable future, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, you're yeah, right. And, I would like to have that crazy. sent over to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean <laughs> – I'm more than happy to receive it. <laughs> uh, it just, but it, it just it blows your mind that 
I, I understand certain players deserve it. You know what I mean? Cause you get to keep players on each team and certain positions do deserve it. And if you're, you right. know, for example, Detroit now you're out of a, a big time receiver. I could see where you have to spend a little bit of money to maybe get one or two other receivers to make up the difference. So that's, that's right. wise. But when you're at the bottom of the totem pole, you know, in the last couple of years, the Browns, for example, um, you know, you just somehow you just you never you're never going up. It just seems like you're always just throwing money away, kind of like the old school Raiders in the back in the day where they were just recycling money to old veteran players that probably weren't up to par anymore. Um, the only thing I can see it was just Patriots, Packers, Steelers, Bengals. I think it was Seahawks and Ravens. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, really early, getting off the, getting right off into it, and then uh, everybody else did the same. We're talking Cardinals, Chiefs, and Vikings. Uh, so there are certain teams that had a huge need to get right out of the box and and grab some of these uh, obviously folks that need you know pos- you need positioning and you need leverage, and depending on your division, you obviously needed a little bit more muscle on defense. Uh, you probably needed mm-hmm. more protection for certain quarterbacks. So some teams did, you know, get out of the box, but now I think it's kind of leveled off now, right? I mean, we're looking towards the end now, closer to the draft, not a lot of focus so much on big spending anymore. It's going to be more focused on strategic uh, roster positioning. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, uh, I mean, I, the last like week or so, I've seen teams that pick up, that pick up players that are kind of, padding towards the roster, but not huge game-changing roster moves, if that makes any sense. I, um, I think it was Arizona that picked up Chandler Jones for their defensive line. I think that that's just kind of solidifying a good defense um, that you'll need in that division. And then the Panthers picked up the defensive tackle, Paul, I hope I say this right, Sololi? Yep. Is that Sololi. how you pronounce his name? <laughs> Okay. Yep. Um, and they also have um, a strong defensive front, so they're just kind of adding to their arsenal there. Um, the one that I think will go under the radar, though, um, even though I'm a 49ers fan, um, so, uh, the Seahawks re-signing Jerome Curse is a big deal. Um, because oh, yeah. Because, you know, deal. I live up here in Seattle, and I'm not a Seattle Seahawks fan, just to point that out again, but – I've been around the area enough to, to understand the dynamics of that team. And when uh, the Seahawks had a lot of injuries, Curse was that guy that uh, Russell Wilson, he was the go-to guy. Uh, he was the guy that stepped up when nobody else did. And so them re-signing Curse, I think, is going to pay off dividends um, that people don't realize uh, right now. Um, and then obviously you have uh, Johnny Manziel, uh, that whole disaster of the Browns finally waving him. <laughs> um, uh, do you think he's ever going to play he, he, again? No, I'm starting the borderline. <laughs> he, he's just a headache. You know, he's just a headache. I mean, we knew it from day one, and I, I'm the first one to say, yes, certain people deserve second chances, you know, rehab and all this other stuff. But he has been able to just, you know, take those opportunities and just go worse. It's just, it, yeah, just Johnny is, I don't even know if Johnny's going to be around for anybody else. I mean, even at this point, because I don't think anybody's really going to take a gamble on like uh, in that kind of light. Um, Holly, what what does Frisco do? Kaepernick, no Kaepernick. What, what do you see there? Well, um, 
when Chip Kelly uh, was announced as a coach, I, w- I was excited because I'm a huge Oregon Duck fan. And so I saw what he did at Oregon. Um, and I know the ending of his relationship with the Eagles was not very great. Um, but the thing about uh, Chip Kelly that he does well is he takes over a program and he changes the culture well. It's more difficult to do in the NFL than in college because in college you're um, recruiting your, your, your people and you have more control over them because they're you know 18 and 23 years old. When you're talking about NFL locker rooms when they're earning millions of dollars and, and in many cases way more than you, it's hard for them to listen especially when you're getting to guys that are in their second or third contract and they're, they've been around for a long time, it's hard for them to want to get on board with changing um, their nutrition habits in a kind of a quirky way that Chip Kelly does and changing their whole mentality at that stage in the game is hard for people. Um, right. But I was excited because the Niners, that's what they, they needed a culture change because we had Jim Harbaugh, who came in and did a similar job. Like we the year before he came in, we were three and thirteen and just awful. And he comes in and most of the same people are still there, but we go thirteen and three. And it's because he did a great job of changing the locker room. And unfortunately he's a very headstrong type of personality which did not get along with our front office and eventually they uh got rid of him. But when they replaced them, they replaced them with a guy who was, in my opinion, uh, they went from a headstrong guy to a yes yes man. They went from a guy who was going to do it his way to a guy who they knew they could control. And he was just not the right guy. <laughs> so I was excited they finally moved on. And Chip Kelly is going to come in and do a great job of rebuilding the culture. Um, the thing with Kaepernick that I don't think people realize is with Chip Kelly's offense, people think, oh, if you're an athletic quarterback, then you're the perfect fit, and that's not true. I've watched it at Oregon, you know, for several years now, and it's not the most athletic quarterback that is the best fit. <clears throat> it's the, the quarterback who can make the best decisions quickly because their offense right. is not very complicated. They only have like four or five plays that they run over and over and over again. But if you watch Mariota when he was in his prime at Oregon, it was like watching a surgeon because he would get up to the line and he would read so fast and make the right decision so fast that that's what gave the offense the speed. And um, and so Kaepernick last year struggled with decision-making. It was awful. Part of it is not his fault. Part of it is that they put the wrong pressure on him. When they first started starting him with the 49ers, it was kind of like they had a new toy and they were really excited, so they tried to change their whole entire offense. When their offense identity was was really built upon a, a strong power running game, they were really built right. like the Seahawks, and they went away from that. And when they went away from that, it put more pressure on Kaepernick, so he would scramble and he would try to do too much and try to force it, and his decision-making went completely sideways and his confidence went completely sideways. And so if Kaepernick had stayed Chip Kelly would have had to kind of um, do a complete clean slate with his mind, basically, so that he could make those decisions. But I don't think that was going to be possible. So um, I, I, I'm kind of a Kaepernick fan, but I honestly think this is best for him and for the Niners that he goes to a different location. I think he needs a fresh new start, um, and I think the Niners do too. 
And so what you're left with is, okay, well, who did the Niners pick up? And it looks like they signed uh, uh, Thad Lewis, who spent a year with the Eagles um, under Chick Kelly, who didn't really play much. But I think that's kind of an insurance policy of, okay, well, at least this guy knows the offense. And so I'm looking so to see who they draft. They still have Gabbert, yeah, they still right? Have Gabbert. I don't I don't think he's the guy either, to be honest. <laughs> Gabrick is um he's kind of a solid he backup. Has, he has potential, but I don't know how well he'll work in that system, like to your point. I don't I don't think he I think he's a solid backup and I think Sam Lewis is a solid like, okay, at least if everything goes sideways we have somebody that's run the offense before. I think you'll see them make a, a draft pick. And the problem is is that uh, the draft this year is not very deep at quarterback, so I'm not sure what they'll do. But I expect them to, to draft um, draft quarterback for sure. I was uh, inclined on Twitter, and we were just joking, uh, that maybe the Browns organization should just bring in the, the Cleveland fusion of the WFA, and maybe they'd be more competitive. <laughs> what do you think? Maybe, maybe to, to be honest, I mean, my dad's from Cleveland, so he grew up a Browns fan, so I understand. Um, I understand their pain, but it, <laughs> they just can't get out of their own way. They they really can't. I mean, as a mass um, mass <laughs> exodus of Cleveland, uh, Holly, uh, free agents just decided to just bail. Mac Mitchell, uh, Schwartz, uh, mm-hmm. Travis Benjamin, Deshaun Gibson. I mean, these guys were like, you know, up and coming and. It just seems like nobody wants to be in Cleveland right now. It's, Cleveland is just like one of these places where no thank you, no matter how much money. <laughs> it just seems like everybody just <laughs> wants to go somewhere else. Uh, well, that's maybe Los Angeles. Seriously, I know. Uh, um, so the biggest name for you resigning was, I think, Williams. Uh, Ian Williams was, mm-hmm. the, was a solid resigning, and they let go of Boone to the Vikings, like yes. uh, free agency. And they pick up, like you said, Thad Lewis, which I think that will be helpful to your point. I think they will give them the, an identity that Chip Kelly's familiar with and being in the division that they're in, uh, he doesn't have the time to rebuild. So he needs to get somebody, right. like you said, under gun that can take that next move. Kaepernick to me right now, I presume it will be East coast somewhere. And I think somebody will right. take him whether it be Philly, um, AFC team, you know, Jaguars, somebody's going to pick them up, whether it be a backup or not, but somebody's going to take us, you know, and go from there. But I doubt he'll go to Los Angeles because everybody, you know, this is just a joke now. It's like everybody goes to Los Angeles at some point on on the press. It's like, there you go, Los Angeles. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, the Rams are just, until you get rid of Fisher, the Rams are just the Rams. They're just going to be it. Right. Um, Cardinals, you know, They've done a good job of drafting the last couple of years. They still have some hardcore veterans in this division. So, do you still see the Cardinals there? Yeah, I still um, I still see them be a, a strong team. I mean, um, like we talked about before, that their ending of their season was was kind of disappointing in the, in the way that they lost. But they still have a, a solid defense. I think people uh, don't give their defense enough credit, and. As long as you retain a lot of the defense, um, in my opinion, defense wins championships. So if you have that, I mean, I, I, I don't foresee them going anywhere. I think they'll still be very competitive in a playoff-level team for sure. 
Now you have on the other side of the bay your uh, arch nemesis, the silver and black. Del Rio seems <laughs> to be building a very nice squad. Um, they picked up, I think, offensive lineman Kalishi Asamil uh, to bolster their offense, mm-hmm. and then they picked up, I think, Bruce was it uh, Bruce Ir- Bruce Irwin and Smith. Yeah. So I mean, they look like they're on, you know, they're on a rebuilding situation, and they're obviously spending money. Right. I think um, I think you you can kind of draw parallels between the Raiders and the Browns, where the Raiders, uh, I mean, both of those franchises have had a really tough go of it the last fifteen twenty years, and I think the Raiders are starting to finally get it. They're they're starting to understand that you can't get a quick fix overnight. Like the Browns always want the we're going to draft Johnny Menzel and then everything in the world is going to be okay tomorrow. They they want the shortcut. They want the diet pill version of rebuilding a franchise. And it, most of the time, unless you're a city like L.A. where you can draw the free agents like that, everybody else can't build it like that. And so I think the Raiders are finally starting to understand it's going to be a long-term process. And so you've seen them kind of make little strides in the last couple of years and they're starting to build on that. So they're they're finally, I feel like, going the right direction um, in a healthier way rather than trying to crash diet like the Browns do. Yeah, and Jack Del Rio always seems to be that defensive-minded coach anyway, so it helps them and it benefits them greatly. They can start, like you said, through a draft mode and spend some money. Uh, but it looks like the Jags and Raiders and the Giants – um, did pretty good in pretty good in in this uh, free agency so far. The Jags, I mean, they had money to spend. I mean, based on mm-hmm. you know their load and everything else, I mean, they they probably had the most money. Uh, they picked up, I think, Malik Jackson, which a bunch of money. Uh, you know, they put in. They're they're basically they're getting ready to make a push. Um, they have good good rapport there. Um, they also added a you know Chris Ivory and they resigned uh, Marcellus Lewis, so that's pretty solid there. The Giants were basically, you know, they just because of Coughlin going out and their coach. I mean, it's kind of like rebuilding in New York in a lot of ways. So right. we'll see how they do in terms of, you know, this this time around this season. But re, they re-signed uh, Jason uh, Pierre-Paul, um, so that's a good sign there. Um, so it's the Raiders, like I said, they were probably the three teams there that really stood out. But li- the Lions losing um, Megatron. Um, which is really hard to lose, but they get uh, they pick up I think Marvin Jones from my notes, so that would work well right. with uh, Golden Tate at receiver. So that's that's not too bad. Like I said, nobody nobody's going to replace you know Megatron right off the bat. So you're going to need two people to kind of haul in that production. Um, right. What are the other names that you that you saw stood out or things that stood out to you? Um, I think that pretty much covered it that I saw. I think you kind of covered all the ones I wrote notes on already here. Um, you think Mario see. Williams is going to do well? You think Mario Williams will do well in, in Miami? I think Mario Williams will do well wherever he is. I think there's a reason why he was drafted so high. <laughs> he's he's a solid, solid player. Um, I think he'll do just fine in Miami. Um Let's and then you got see. Lamar Miller who Lamar Miller leaves 
leaves Miami for Texas. The Texans, based on Osweiler's pickup, plus a couple other key pickups that they've had, they, mm-hmm. it looks to me like they're in a good footing, you know, in terms of for the new season. And uh, we'll see what they do in the draft. But at this point, they made some changes to where we'll see if it works out in terms with the quarterback and obviously uh, with, you know, the running back. So um, we'll see how that goes. But they've, they've uh, you know, Bill O'Brien up the uh, – Bill O'Brien, the new coach there, he's obviously done some good things with the quarterbacks in the past. So we'll see how, you know, Brock turns out. Yeah, I think it'll be um, a good fit for Brock. Um, uh, I've always kind of half-liked the Texans. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know how you can go away from J.J. Watt ever, but uh, I, I think they'll they'll kind of track up as well, kind of like the, the Raiders. Um, and that, that's something that's really difficult in this league is that everybody wants uh, all the fan bases, they want their teams to be fixed overnight, and that's not how it goes. Doesn't work that way. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it doesn't. If it did, then and if it, if it worked that way, and I and I knew how it worked, then you and I would go in business, and we would never have to work again. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> that is so true. Um, just just seems like just seems like you know the amount of dollars this this time around was just huge. It was just a lot a lot more than before. But to your point, it, not all of it was guaranteed. So you you have to live right. it out. You know, out of a $65 million contract, only $11 million or $12 million is really guaranteed. And that, you know, that's not a lot of money when you compare it how much money they really earn because you can blow right. $12 million pretty easily on, you know, Rolls Royce and cars and everything else that you can get your hands on. So a lot of people don't think right. of it that way. But, you know, when you come down to earth on our level, uh, yeah, money flows in and flows out and you could be gone. So um, Manziel, on the story for Manziel, you had that feeling. I had a feeling. I think everybody in the country had that feeling. Very athletic individual, just not mentally there for the game at the next level. Is that is that pretty much equates him? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I watched him in college before he got drafted, I remember um, getting into like debates online about Johnny Mandel, and um, and people were like, "Oh, but he's he's so creative and blah blah." blah and he, he's Johnny Benzel and he's Johnny Football. I'm like, no. If you actually watch him play, he, he's he's um, he's not a next level quarterback because what he was doing in college is he was just making stuff up as he went, and he was athletic enough, and the and the, the uh, defenses weren't um, uh, strong enough top to bottom to make him pay for it. So he would roll out of the pocket. And, you know, just kind of make stuff happen, which only works to a certain level. Um, I've seen that with quarterbacks um, all the way in our league, too. Like, they're very athletic, and they're able to get outside the pocket and make stuff happen. But when they face a defense that is a strong, you know, player one through player 11, and they play well as an entirety in one unit, you can't get away with that because people are in the right position and they'll make you pay for it. So when you get to a higher level and the speed is faster and the defensive players are where they're supposed to be, then it's not going to work. And on top of that, that was one problem. On top of that, his mentality, if you're if you're talking about a quarterback and you're talking about the face of your franchise, that quarterback position, you cannot be unstable. 
And it wasn't just that he was arrogant, because there are quarterbacks who have that kind of arrogant um, vein to them. He was arrogant, but in a really uh, a destructive way. It, it was it was all about Johnny and the way that he wasn't going to. The thing that's different between him and Cam Newton, for example, is that they they both have an era of confidence. But you know Cam Newton is going to work for everything he has. He has a work ethic to go with it, with the confidence, right? So even though he might rub some people the wrong way, um, you know he's going to work very hard to get there. Johnny rubs people the wrong way and doesn't work hard. You know he, he's lazy. And that's the thing that I thought of him going into the NFL draft was he, he's arrogant, he's not mentally stable, and he's, and he's frankly lazy. And so when he was about to be drafted, I, I made this big prediction, and I was like, okay, I think Perry Bridgewater is going to have a better career than, than Johnny Menzel. And everybody laughed at me, but I want to point out that I was right. <laughs> I no, you were right. I was right. I mean, no, definitely, you were definitely right. So um, at, this, at this point, I mean, it, I, I think the money got to him. You know, having all this money at his disposal at the next level, um, you come from college if you're being catered to. As most people said to your point, you know, the system fit him very well in college, but the mistakes were covered up by some of the other talented players. So, yeah, I mean, when you get to this level, your mistakes aren't covered up. (laughs) You have to play at a a better level. Otherwise, you end up where he's at right now. Um, Holly, let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. Zazzle.com. You can go to Zazzle, get your shirts, hoodies, and every other gifts. You can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, and uh, you can get all our stuff from our project shop, board it out. And let's go into the huddle, and let's talk to the talented Jules Harsbarger of the Chicago Blitz. Uh, Jules, are you on? Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Hi, Jules. Um, you're on with Holly Custis, the linebacker of the Seattle Majestics of the WFA. He's She's uh, kindly uh, to join us today because my co-hosts were uh, sick. So, um, Jules, how's it going today? It's good. Hi, Holly. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, Jules, um, thank you for making the time. We were just talking free agency, so I don't know if you're inclined. Uh, What's your NFL team of allegiance? I love the Green Bay Packers. So Green Bay, uh, what did you think of any moves that they've made so far, or is it something that you're just going to wait for the draft? Probably just going to wait for the draft before I start. All right. Um, Jules, um, you have a great column. Uh, you've been spotlighting a, a lot of talented uh, ladies uh, recently in the last uh, month or so. Tell us a little bit about that first, and how did you get involved with the um, – the website that you're working with? Um, the the website that I'm working with is cleatgeeks.com, and um, the the guy that created the site actually reached out to me um, through Twitter, and um, I guess he saw that I was involved with football, and he reached out and asked me if I'd be interested in writing for him. And so that's kind of how I got brought into that, and that kind of opened up um, – you know, he was hoping I'd write about football and it's kind of like 
um, you know, you pick a topic of your choice and just kind of roll with it. And uh, I was going to, I wanted to write about Notre Dame, and my my boyfriend talked me into doing something a little more, like, interesting and different because a lot of people write about Notre Dame football. So uh, we were kind of discussing, and he was like, you should just interview other other girls that play on men's football teams and just kind of go with it. So that's how that So, Jules, a lot of the... Started. A lot of the girls that you've contacted, is it via social media to get interviews or to spotlight them at this point? Yeah, at this point, um, it's mostly through Instagram, but there have been a few people that read the article and then they thought of someone. Um, for example, um, the girl I, the lady I interviewed, Rosie, her sister um, read an article about Chelsea Alt. And then saw that and was like, oh, you know, she she emailed in and was like, you know, you should do an article on my sister. This is why. And kind of um, set me up with that one. So. Now, know, Jules, uh, media, how, so. how does it, yeah, how does it make you feel? You're spotlighting the next generation pretty much of a lot of girls that are now interested in playing football, just like Holly plays football. So you're spotlighting them and bringing them up to light in an era now that, you know, awareness could be could be done basically with social media. So it's kind of exciting times for the sport, but also exciting times for some of these young athletes that are coming up uh, for the next generation of women's uh, tackle football. Yeah, it's so cool because um, all of the, the younger girls that I interviewed, they're so motivated and inspiring and, like, their hard work and dedication. You can just hear in their voice when you talk to them, like, they are going to go, like, balls to the wall and, like, do this the best they can. And it's really, like, you, you talk to them. You kind of get pumped up yourself, like, I want to go out and train now. You know, like, once you get done talking with them. And that gives you very – it gets very exciting because I, I deal with the same thing that you're dealing with on a daily basis, which is interacting with a lot of players that want to be part of, you know, getting the sport noter, uh, noted and obviously recognize at a mass level, which is what it needs, exposure at this point. A lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of girls playing on, um, you know, boy squads nationally uh, on high school teams as well as, you know, interleague teams and stuff like that. So in your in your aspect of the sport, you're now – you're involved on the same level but at more of a professional level on the indoor arena level. So how does that yeah. – how did that translate for you in terms of, you know, seeing all this happening around you? I mean, you're, you're basically more of a role model a lot in a lot of ways now. Girls are able to start playing at a younger, I mean, I guess it happened before, but it wasn't like as many girls doing it because they just didn't know that that was an option or maybe it wasn't an option. But now there's like leagues developing and forming that are super organized all over for younger girls. So they can get involved in the sport sooner and like, at my age, a lot of a lot of the girl football players were either kickers or, you know, like a safety or something, but now they're starting at a younger age, so they're able to get those skills for, like, running back, receiver, like, you know, all, all that stuff, which is really awesome. And even, like, the even older um, women, too, like, with those teams developing, they're getting the coaches and all of that, like, knowledge and stuff. And it's cool because – it's like it's kind of like expanding really fast, which is great to see. Now, uh, Jules, I have you on, and I have a uh, I have Holly 
who is going to tell you that this was a huge breakthrough for this year. I'm, I'm pretty sure you've read it on social media, but uh, the, uh, the Women's World Game sponsored by USA Football uh, was happening last week. Uh, it was in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and Holly was one of the players that was there. And it just seems like, uh, Holly, you can explain to her what the experience was there in terms of you know, everybody gathering there at the uh, uh, Saints facility. Uh, yeah, so basically, um, this is the third year that they that they've done the camp. I went to the first one in Dallas a couple of years ago, and the first one in Dallas we had maybe I think like seventy five or eighty players, and this one there was two hundred and twenty four players from seventeen different countries, and wow. it was in, it was incredible because this was the first time. Uh, an NFL team has kind of opened their doors like that to to women's football, uh, and so basically there is USA Football um, that also promotes heads up uh, tackling through their uh, tackling program, and they uh, Sam Rappaport who has been running these camps uh, reached out to a lot of people and finally got a hit from the uh, Saints owners that they'd be willing to open their facilities, so we got to basically practice where the Saints practice all week. Um, and so we were in their indoor facilities. Uh, we ate in their cafeteria. We saw, like, where these people, you know, do all their weightlifting programs. We sat mm-hmm. in, like, the offensive and defensive and all your position group, like, meeting rooms. So I'm sitting there cool. in the linebacking meeting room, and I'm looking at the same thing that these people look at. And it was incredible because I was like, wow, I mean, if I could wake up and play football like this and get paid millions of dollars to do it, I would be so happy. Like, it, it is yeah. a long day. It was pretty much it was pretty much football all day long, but it was it was amazing. And then the the other amazing part about it is uh, the diversity of the women, whether that be uh in in the United States or abroad. Um, I mean, the international game has grown to the point that it's just it's getting very exciting. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. people that came to the first camp that they came from countries that you didn't even know played football at all. Like I'm talking like the Czech Republic. There's people from China. Yeah. There's people from Sweden. There's people from Brazil. There's people from Norway. And they're going back to their home countries and starting their own leagues. Um, there was no league before, and now they're going and starting their own leagues. And, and one of the best things about being at the camp is when you arrive and they check your helmets out, they give you a, uh, a decal of your uh, country's flag. So when you look mm-hmm. out on the field, you see all the different flags from all over the world, and it's really awesome. And wow. so I try to make a point to talk to, like, all the international um, players. And there was one lady who is from Brazil, and then she moved to Norway, and now she teaches PE and Spanish in Norway and started her own football league over there. Cool. And it's it's really, really exciting. And when we were there, they had uh, – the Saints really took care of us. They had um, – uh, basically, they opened the facility to us for free. So we had use of the facility for free. Um there were like three or four Saints players that came down from their workouts to come visit us. Uh, Jim mm-hmm. Walter was there. Um, and then uh, who else came down? Oh, they bought us all tickets to the Pelicans game. So we went to the NBA game. And so we're very excited because 
you know, I think this event went very well, and we're hoping that it opens up, you know, doors uh, in the future for, for other teams to, to want to host us and, and develop the game. And I can sure, I'm sure that you can relate to the fact that when you're talking to other people that care that much about football, it, it's, it's exciting because it, it validates all the hard work that you've put into it. And, um, yeah. and you know, like people in our generation, uh, we're really kind of, we're doing it for the generation after us because the work mm-hmm. that we put in now, it's going to make it so much easier for the people after us to come to come in and, and knock the doors further down. So it's awesome. It was, yeah. it was amazing. Uh, it's so cool. What, the quarterback for the Blitz actually went to that camp to help out with him. Oh, uh, nice. He just said it was, uh, his name's Tommy Kudaba. Okay, and, okay. Um, he, I didn't know about that. Well, I knew he was going to this, but I didn't realize what it was until he told me. Right. And uh, he told me about the week before, and he's like, Jules, you got to go. And I was trying so hard to get time off of work and the money together, and I just couldn't make it happen. But he right. was, I was seeing his pictures on Facebook and it just looked incredible. Like it looked like such an awesome experience. And he just raved right. about it. He said it was so awesome. And like like you said with the countries and like the, the decals on the helmets, being able to see who all was out there. It just said it was right. phenomenal. It was. It was like football Christmas all week. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> they're um and uh they're going to I mean it's a camp they've had in the last three years and they have, uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do next year because next year they have the Team USA tryouts too. So I don't know if they're going to make it one giant event or if they're going to make it two events or I'm not sure how that will work. But it will definitely mm-hmm. happen again. So you should go to the next one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm planning on it. Like, I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, they hey, also Jules. had, since you're a kicker, um, they had uh, – a uh, gentleman who is a kicking coach, I think his name is Nick uh, Gato. And I don't know if you've seen pictures of him, but he has one arm, basically. Have you heard about him? Yeah, Tommy was, was telling me about the kicking coach and one of the kickers that was there. Yeah, so yeah, he... Um, he's a great coach. Uh, yeah, he's a great coach, and he, he literally has, like, like a, an arm and, a, like, a half arm, and he can kick the hell out of the ball, um, so if you can get in contact with him, I have him on Instagram, but since mm-hmm. you're a kicker, I, you would hit it off with him. Yeah, that would be cool. So Jules, tell us a little bit of the, the, the experience that you've had so far in your career, obviously in the Arena League. Um, It has just been awesome. Like, I love arena or indoor football because it's you know from a kicking standpoint you don't have to worry about the weather at all the the turf's always going to be the same if you can get a good snap in a hole you pretty much as long as you you know follow your your work ethic and just go through what you do at practice every day and then it's also really neat too because you have like a closer player-fan interaction because uh, the seating is really close to the where the field's at. So, you know, you can get heckled by the fans or you can get high fives, and it's just it's really neat and intense and everything's, like, right in the moment. And it's uh, a lot quicker than an outdoor football game, too. So, you know, the hits are harder, the plays are faster, and it's just it's a really exciting and fun. 
Now, your involvement in the arena realm of things, it's been a couple years, right? So you've seen a lot of changes also, right, within the sport? I have. Well, I've been kicking in Chicago since 2010, and um, it's it's common in a indoor hoping to be around for a season and then they're not there next year and then maybe a new team will come in and it's kind of it happens and it's not doesn't really give indoor football a good look but um chicago blitz came in this will be their third season everything's running good you know we've got good people and they're running it and the, the staff's great the players are awesome so that's that's really nice to see you know being around that and seeing different teams fall apart and this one we're actually like we're we're still here which is great and we're not just here we're like our first season we um I think we were seven and three which is great for a first year team and then our second season we made it all the way to the championship game we fell short and then this year it's just you know we've got all of that putting us in forward motion so hopefully this will be our year now, how long do you plan on? How long have you planned on playing? Have you thought of that before? Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, you always get like, so I'm 30 now, and then you get, you know, like your grandparents and your parents asking you, like, so you know, you're still playing football. You know how old you are. You know that kind of stuff. But I don't know. Like, I play outdoor football. I've been playing with my friends now on the semi-pro team, this will be my 12th season coming up. And it's just hard to think about what a Saturday night would be like without playing football. So probably just going to go with it until I start kicking really bad and then, you know, reevaluate or just get cut from the team. Who knows? So, Jules, tell us a little bit about the uh, going forward here. Uh, You're going to be – football but you're also diving into your column uh, on your blog so what can we expect in the coming months from your blog are you diving into the girls only at this point or are you going to go into general sports um so when i first uh started to write about when i first talked to um, michael valentine the, the owner of Cleek geeks or the the editor of Cleek geeks um my main objective was to cover my games as like a, I don't know, I'll like I'll highlight my games, but kind of from a perspective of being on the field. Um, so that was the original mm-hmm. idea. And in my off season, I will be interviewing other female athletes. So for right now, um, it's going to transition into um, from the field perspective. Okay. And so we can expect the that, insights. Yeah, it'll, it'll mostly it'll probably cover the blitz and then um the the AIF the American Indoor Football League a little bit still trying to work out the kinks and figure out which way to roll with it but it'll be more of like a player perspective like a you know from the field perspective oh great so the the players that you've interviewed so far the young ladies that you've interviewed so far uh, what can you tell us mm-hmm. about all of them in terms of a nutshell? Are they passionate? I mean, they, they're going to continue to do their sport. Or uh, some of them have soccer backgrounds, so that's kind of beneficial too, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of them, there's a few that didn't have soccer backgrounds, but um majority of the kickers that I interviewed had a soccer background. 
and it, it varies. So, like, some of the athletes I interviewed are going to – they want to continue to play in college, and some of the girls um, are already in college, and they're not playing currently, but they're focusing on, um, like, soccer or basketball. There's one girl that goes to Purdue. She's a um, competitive rower. Um, and a lot of them, like, I asked that question, like, you know, do you see yourself if you were – able to play on a football team like was that something you'd want to do in the future and all most of them answered yes definitely like she came up or if I found a team they wouldn't they would do that in a heartbeat now Jules you're not getting NFL free agency money like me and Holly were mentioning earlier so I'm assuming your your wage scale isn't uh, at that level yet but are you comfortable with the amount of uh you know, intake that you get from the arena league at this point, or is it something that you guys as players are still working or is it just the market doesn't dictate that much? Um, you know, like where I'm at right now, it's mostly you're playing for fun. Like you do get a paycheck, which is great because it's cool. It's like you're doing, you're playing something that you love to do. So, and you're getting like a paycheck on top of it. It's just like mind blowing that that can happen. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Like, when I first started, you know, you sign contracts and you get told you're going to get play and you kick a certain percentage of kicks, you know, or you're going to get this for a paycheck. And a lot of those first teams I was on, they voided those contracts. And, you know, they give you a check and it would bounce and you'd get fined and stuff like that. And, it's you know, it's tough and then you get your hopes up and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to play for free again this year. But, uh, you know, you get a good team, an organization like the Blitz, they actually are true to their word. And, you know, you get a paycheck. It's kind of cool when that first one goes through. So is it more like a part-time job right now at this point, if you equate it to that? Yeah, it's more of a part-time job. Okay. Definitely at so it's a, it's a good level. Um, I, I know some guys some guys make it work, but where I'm at as a kicker, it, it's not an impossibility. Right, right. Um, what do you think of the league? Do you think it's going to stick around, the AIF? Um, you know, I don't know too much about the league. From what I know, it I think this is the second year that it's – I don't know if it's been around for longer than that, but it's the second year that we've been in it. And they're, they're growing. They expanded to – I want to say they doubled the amount of teams in it this season, from last season. And – um, besides, like, the the indoor football forums and stuff, like, I know people talk a lot of trash on those, so you can't really go off of rumors and stuff. But I think the league's holding up pretty good so far, and as long as the teams don't fold and everyone's able to play a game, I think they'll be all right. Now, have you ever thought about mentoring and coaching beyond the football field for yourself since you're a good kicker and all that? Have you ever thought of doing maybe girls camps for that in that purpose? I would love to do that. Um, we, a couple of my friends in the area that are kickers, we've been talking about for the last couple of years. We wanted to host um, a kicking camp in the summer for kids in the like Chicago, Wisconsin land area, and just have them come in because like the the semi pro teams I play for, there's a lot of great kicking talent, and we could we could train so many kids and like just help. You know, we could have like a day with younger kids and then maybe a day with, you know, eighth grade high school 
kids that are looking to go to college and maybe play, we were thinking about doing something like that just to help out in the community as far as kickers. But uh, still kind of in the works. But, yeah, I would love to coach. That would be awesome. Great. So, uh, Jules, where can uh, everybody find you on social media? I know we got Cleet, uh, Cleet Geeks. You're on there, and uh, we've been sharing your post because obviously that's beneficial for us as well to bring awareness to uh, everybody that, you know, girls do play uh, obviously on a boys squad and also they play American football. So where where can we find you on social media in terms of, you know, so fans can dive into your stories? Um, Instagram, um, Julie Harsh, J-U-L-I-E-H-A-R-S-H. And Twitter is the same thing, Julie Harsh 99. And you can follow me there. And then Cleet Geeks, um, my articles are under Women of Sports. All right. And you have a, a long series now, right? You've got a, plenty of uh, plenty of articles now that people can go dive into from the past, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I have about 10, maybe, give or take. Maybe eight. I'm not sure. Oh. But there's, there's a good, good amount to read there. Awesome. Now, Jules, uh, can you tell the fans uh, where they can find you live? Obviously, you're with the Blitz and all that. So how can they get involved to kind of maybe come out and uh, greet you up and say that, you know, they're they're a fan or maybe become a fan of the Blitz? Um, The Blitz, um, they play in Chicago. Um, The website, there's tons of information on the website. It's... um, ChicagoBlitzFootball.com, and there's information on tickets. The home stadium is at the Odium in Villa Park. Um, it's a great little stadium for an indoor football team, and it's it's really cool because like after the games, fans can come on the field and meet the players and get pictures with coaches, players, cheerleaders. Um, it's a really kid-friendly environment too. Uh, Jules, there's a picture on Instagram that we shared uh, a while back, and there was you signing an autograph for a little girl, uh, very inspirational. Um, what do you, what do you, when you see that, when you saw that picture, what was your thought? <laughs> the little girl in the picture was the cutest girl ever. Um, I remember that game. Her, her dad um, was like a, he did like a, a blog radio type thing and he'd asked me if I'd interview with him after and right before that um his daughter came up to me and she was wearing the like cutest little like Cleveland Browns um kind of like a skirt jumpsuit thing and she had a football and she was like hey, please sign this and then I didn't even realize um the photographer was taking the picture when I saw it I was like oh my heart just melted it was so cute yeah it was awesome I thought I thought that was one of the best pictures uh we've always kind of taking a, a liking on it because it's just so inspirational. I mean, somebody really, you know, when they say, you know, you, you haven't arrived until somebody's asked for your signature, and I think that's, that's the moment you arrived. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. I just said I really like that picture a lot. Yeah. Uh, Jules, thank you for the time. We'll, give, we'll be in contact over social media as well. We kind of keep tabs. Uh, on what you're doing as well because it's you know like I said it's great to get that story out of uh, all the girls that are coming up and their inspirational stories and then we'll try to keep tabs on the season in terms of with the blitz and yourself so continued success 
We appreciate making the time. I know you probably have, what, you're at practice now or, or you're off of practice? They they actually gave us the night off, so no practice. Oh, yet. perfect. All so right, so now, um, <laughs> great. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your evening that you have some free time off. Um, and then we'll be in, we'll be in contact in terms of over the social media. I know I'm on Twitter all the time, and I, I really enjoy your posts. So keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you so much. And thanks for having all me right. on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jules. Have a great night. Safe right. travels out there, thanks, and we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay. Have thank a good you. night. Have a good one. You too. So, uh, Holly, that was uh, Jules uh, Harsberger, and she plays for the Chicago Blitz of the AIF, the Arena uh, American Indoor Football League in Chicago. So uh, kind of a a great story. She's been at it for a long time, and so I'm pretty sure everybody gets the question from their parents, when are you going to (laughs) quit and get a normal (laughs) life? Uh, That usually happens a lot in terms of somebody that's an athlete, right? Oh, yeah, I, I get that all the time, especially <laughs> after this last injury. And my response has always been, you know, I'm going to play as long as I can. And so, you know, it's not something I'm going to say, okay, in three years I'm going to be done. It's really going to be a year-by-year process of, okay, am I physically able to go? Is Am I mentally and emotionally ready to go? Okay, let's go, you know. Um I don't like putting a a number on it because I I'm trying to enjoy the moment. I don't want to I don't want to look to the point where where I'm done. I want to enjoy the moment that I have, basically. Yeah, and I'm, I'm and Jewel seems like very passionate. She really is, you know, driven, and she's been at it for a long time. Like she says, you know, in, in the arena league, you get to some stages where there's just you know bad business people that get involved, and you trust them, and then all right. of a sudden they don't come through, and that's. Sometimes that's not a good, you know, not a good thing, but it's kind of common in, in that realm of the sport where people, you know, put up a team and then all of a sudden they disappear out of town. So, um, you know, hats right. off to her to keep going at it, even with those type of disappointments. For sure. I mean, um, thankfully we haven't had too much of that um, in, in our sport, at least not to that level. But, you know, there's always people – that don't know what they're doing business-wise. That unfortunately you run across, and it's just part of part of the um, game to kind of get through it. But it's like any other adversity you face on the field. Um, you can't you can't control what you can't control, and uh, you just have to move forward. Yeah, and some people are fit for certain things, and other people are just not. And it's just unfortunate right. that other people are involved with it, and, and they become disappointed with it. Um, we have information that I got to dive into, so you can, you're welcome to uh, kind of chime in onto the stuff that I'm going to be talking about because it's basically a recap of what's going on in the women's game internationally. So you're welcome to chime sure. in as I go through it and kind of spotlight okay. some people. Um, well, um, just to let you guys know, we do have the Zazzle shop. Thanks, for, thanks to Zazzle for supporting us for a very long time. Uh, we're going on almost year three, so really appreciate their support. Um, the reason we went with Zazzle, it's because they take care of all the logistics. We don't have to do anything but design and post, and somebody just needs to, you know, buy our stuff, and then they get uh, taken care of in terms of if it's not working out for you, something like that, stay within the policy of the Zazzle, and you get your money back or you get 
a return on an item or replaced an item. So they're really, really cool folks. So that's the reason we went with them, and we get international exposure on top of that. So it's really great. So um, every item sold at the shop helps us spotlight another talented player in the ladies' game, sort of the uh, talented players that we're spotlighting in uh, Gridiron Australia right now, Christy Moran, Lauren Evans, and then locally here, Kristen Moore, uh, in, I believe in Finland, uh, Julie Olsen, Stacey Spears out of Australia as well, and so uh, many others that have supported our projects. So hats off to them. So let's go into the women's recap and notes. Uh, we'll start off in Gridiron Australia. Week three of the Gridiron Victoria season sees the uh, Creighton Rangers continue their winning streak and stay undefeated 3-0. to zero. Now their record, three wins, zero losses with a 20-12 to 12 win this week, past weekend against the Melton Wolves. The Wolves came in after their first historic win as a team, 14-6 to 6 in week two. So Creighton is on a roll right now. They're, they're hungry. Uh, they were hungry last year, but I think they're more hungry this year. The 2015 runner-up squad, the Lady Raiders, who had an undefeated season until they got beat in the final by the Geelong Buccaneers. So kind of disappointing season to go all season uh, with no losses, and then you lose it on the biggest stage uh, at the Vic Bowl in 2015. So they, they're hungry. They're in for another win this week. Uh, they won against the Melbourne Chargers 28-6. to The Raiders go into week four, which is next week, up against their biggest test of the season, which is against the unbeaten Creighton Rangers. So that's going to be a very heavy match. And I'm pretty sure, Holly, you can relate. When you go into a matchup undefeated versus undefeated, that's like probably the biggest – uh, the biggest stage you can be in in terms of a regular season where you meet up with another foe that or another opponent that's the same with in terms of a record, right? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, I've been in, in a few of those games, and uh, the intensity level goes up automatically, and it's kind of a mini playoff game, even if even if the game doesn't have playoff game uh, implications in the long term, it's still that same type of feeling where everybody's excited and um, and it's definitely a higher level for sure. Now, the final game in, in Great Iron Victoria featured the Packenham Silverbacks. Uh, they improved their record to 1-2 and two on the season after a win versus the uh, Berwick Diamonds. The Packham Silverbacks also, like the Wolves, uh, in their first season in Great Iron Victoria, brand-new squad. So congratulations to them. They beat the uh, Diamonds 20-8. to eight. The Diamonds having a rough season this year with some injuries and uh, obviously personnel. So at this point, they're being outscored 143 to 14. So what do you think, Holly? When you're at that gap, I, does depression and frustration settle in? I'm pretty sure that's what's happening now with, in Berwick right now, right? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been on those. I've been <laughs> I've been around enough to have been on teams that have been on either side of that score. And when you're when you're on the wrong side of that, I mean you do get frustrated. But uh, at the end of the day, for me, I just kept trying to hold on to the fact that I'm still playing football and it's still fun. Um, but uh, when you're in that moment in the season, it, it's it, you'd rather be winning, but at the same time, there's only so much you can do, and so you just focus on trying to get better each play in each game, and then you uh, you know internally that down the road that's going to pay off. Yeah, so this weekend is a big weekend in Gridiron Victoria because the Rangers come in with a solid offense, scoring 34 points through two weeks, and a defense holding opponents to 12 points, while the Raiders come in and averaging 45 points 
and their defense holding opponents at 10 points. So it's a dual matchup, probably the featured matchup this coming week in Gridiron Victoria. So uh, keep tabs on at Gridiron Vic on Twitter, and you can go to and keep tabs on it on the hashtag GV. That's Gridiron Victoria Women's, GV Women's. You can get the recaps there, or you can go onto the Facebook site as well. You can visit uh, Women's Gridiron Leagues of Australia on Facebook, or you can go at Women's Gridiron on Twitter for the latest news on the Australian scene. In North America news, uh, we have the Utah Utah Girls Football League is now taking registrations for their second season, so you can visit utahgirlstackle.com, utahgirlstackle.com. And that right there, Holly, is very exciting because this is their second year, um, and they're actually getting, I think, one more uh, league in Georgia that has also started, the Georgia Girls Tackle League. So it's it's kind of exciting that the youth level, as you were talking about, the next generation now has a sort of a, an avenue or where they can play. So it's it's really really cool now. Yeah. Um, so I had uh, the honor of meeting Sam Gordon uh, maybe like three or four years ago uh, when my team that I was playing on in Portland played down in Utah, and she was on our sideline. And the thing that struck me about Sam Gordon was she was just like a little kid at recess. Like she had no idea how big of a deal she was. And it, and it struck me that that's the way it should be. It should, it should be just like a little girl who wants to go play at recess. It shouldn't be a big deal that you want to play football. Um, like it shouldn't be a big deal that you want to go play soccer. And that's the way it should be. And, and I've known on uh, the people who started up the lane down in Utah, um, uh, I played against a couple of them, and actually one of their uh, coaches down in that league was at our camp in New Orleans, uh, and it was really, uh, it was pretty pretty adorable because she hadn't played running back before, and so she was in the running back group, and I got to watch her in uh, one of the games really kind of take off, and it was exciting because I know she'll take that excitement with her back to the girls when she goes back to coach and um and I've heard about the one in Georgia as well and it's just like seeds will start to grow into giant trees and it's kind of fun to watch. Yeah and Crystal the uh, Crystal Sacco is the one we're talking about. Crystal has done a really good job yeah. in Utah there in conjunction with Sam and then obviously Sam Gordon's family getting involved as well to to launch it. So it's kind of a very uh, right. a very amazing story there as well. So and USA football backing it. And that helps a lot, too, in terms of, you know, exposure and also um, support. Uh, So that's what you need there. But you can follow the girls on Facebook at Utah Girls Tackle Football. On Twitter, it's UT Girls Tackle. So you can follow the seasons as they're coming up here past the registrations. Um, We normally follow them all through the season. So congratulations to them for another successful second season that's coming up. So hopefully it works out. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty exciting as well. So, uh, we can follow the Western Women's Canadian Football League as well on north north of the border at WWCFL on Twitter, or you can follow the Maritime Women's Football League uh, on Twitter as well, MWFL Football, for the 2016 schedules. And that their seasons take off in May. Uh, and on Facebook, it's Western Women's Canadian Football League as well. Um, so up north, Holly, as well, I mean, pretty exciting. they got nine squads in the Western Women's Canadian Football League. you got four squads in the Maritime. So... Um, you know, they're growing their sport as well. And given the fact that Canada was a silver medalist in the last two world championships, um, they 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 got good football squads up there. 
They they do. Uh, I mean, obviously there are neighbors to the north, so there, and they have Canadian the Canadian Football League. So there's been a little bit um, of a history there, but um, it's exciting to watch that uh, kind of progress over into the women's side. And there were a few Canadians at the camp, and I was impressed with with them. Um, so I, I only see them developing even further. So it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and Football Canada is very supportive, just like uh, USA Football is, um, with initiatives mm-hmm. to try to get, you know, more coaches, more female coaches, more female referees. Um, a, a lot of things are going through, uh, you know, within the positive state, just like USA Football is trying to branch out and do things with the women's game as well. So it's very positive that one and two on the world ranking are doing a lot of initiative things to get, you know, the individuals from your generation or the previous generation to now branch into coaching so that we can get to that next level of exposure. So it's awesome. Um, The WFA schedule is out. I did not see the IWFL schedules uh, posted yet, but I know the WFA football is out. The schedules at WFAfootball.com. And uh, you can go to Seattle Majestics, right? These uh, Seattle Majestics, and you can get your schedule as well for the season, right? For the Majestics. That is correct. Uh, The Seattle Majestics.com. All right, and you get, get get tickets there and everything else. Um, the trading cards are being produced by uh, our buddy Doji Mello, and you know him very well, Holly, because you had a trading card. Yes. So pretty cool trading cards. What did you think of the production level? And you know, obviously, um, he's you know we talked about it with him. The only thing he's trying to do is trying to leave some sort of you know visible thing that you can have in your hand to tell your grandkids or your family members or anybody before to say, Hey, you know, this was a Joe Namath of women's football. This was the Tom Brady of women's football. This was the, you know, Ray, uh, the Ray Lewis of women's football. You know, it's, it's kind of a cool thing that what he's doing is to, to try to incorporate the players and put them out into a trading card, which is, I think the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I, um, I think it's I think it's a pretty awesome idea. Um, I mean, there have been options before where you could uh, like go to a third party vendor and create your own cards and, and stuff. But the difference between that and his cards is he actually takes the time to find out your personal story. So it's not just you plugging in like your stats. It's him trying to figure out who you are as a player and get behind the scenes. And so I think he does a really good job of creating that story on the card. And I think they're they're really fun. Uh, I just got my uh, shipment uh, about a week ago, and so I've already been handing them out to, you know, people around me. And it's also a good opportunity for me to send them out to people that have been really supportive of me um, as kind of a thank you to them. Um, uh, and so it's I think it's really cool. I mean, there's so many times where I'm out and about and I wish I had, like, something to give somebody. Uh, we've had variations of, like, business cards and stuff, and which are cool and helpful, too. But I think having a, a trading card is, is pretty special. Um, having grown up uh, a big sports fan my whole life, I had a huge collection of basketball cards, which drove my mother crazy. Because I had them in huge binders and sleeves <laughs> all over the place, and um, and uh, that every mother goes crazy. What I, <laughs> that's kind of what I did as a kid. Like whenever I got any sort of allowance, I I literally 
rode on my little bike to the neighborhood uh, uh, card store and bought basketball and baseball cards. Um, and uh, so it's kind of cool to be on one. Um, and it, they're professional looking. They When you get the order and you, you um, get them in a box, each individual card has a little sleeve to protect it. Um, and they're well produced. And I think he did a really good job of them. And I, I really respect what he's doing. Um I mean, one of the things that I've talked to him before about, and I think to you guys as well, is as female athletes, um, it's it's difficult because as females, we're we don't want to be out there handing our our sports card. We want like attention to like just come to us, you know. We want to earn it and have it come to us. But the problem is, is that's not how it works in the world with female athletes. Male athletes, they wake up. And they get attention knocking down the door whether they want it or not, whether it's good or bad. ESPN wants to know what they had for breakfast or where they ate dinner last night or or who they're dating. You know, it's it's um, there's an overindulgence in attention for the for the male athletes. And in the female athletes, it's very the opposite. Um, there's very few that have kind of transcended that and that you're talking like, uh, you're talking like Venus and Serena and Rhonda um, and a few female athletes. Everybody else is kind of in the same boat where we have right. to realize that until we get to a certain point, we have to understand that as individuals, we're our own kind of brand. And, and right. that's one of the things I realized really in my football career because my natural personality is I'm not uh, I'm not a talker vocally on the field, if you know what I mean. I talk with my pads, right? So, but what I've realized is the more I get out there, the more attention I'm bringing back to my sport and helping the people I play with and the people after me. And I'm starting to see other players kind of understand that. And so that's why you have, um, like, Lisa going out and doing her, her blog and a couple of my other friends that are starting their own blogs. It's just another chance for exposure, and the more people are able to see it, the the better it is for our sport. So that's our biggest Achilles heel is the lack of exposure. And so, right. unfortunately, we don't have uh, the marketing budget. Uh, most teams don't have a marketing budget at all. And if they do, it's very small. And so to combat that, you have to realize that you're your own brand. And so having these cards is a really good way to promote your brand as a player but more importantly, your brand as a, a part of a bigger whole of the sport. So when I'm handing the card, it's not just it's not just Holly Cuff as a player. It's look at women's football, and that's the way I look at it. So if I have something to give to people, it's all the more better for my sport. Yeah, it's like making a statement. You got to make a statement without being overly, you know, pushy. Right. It's more like right. here, you know, here here's here's who I am, and here's what I'm about. And you know, right. it's just—it's a simple statement. Every business does it. It's like a—it's like handing a brochure with information, right, exactly. Which is a, a great tool, yeah. And, and that's what—that's what I think the bottom line is. Uh, a lot of the players um, are not socially based in terms of social marketing. And reality is that, like you said, you have to be—you have to trust your branding because you have to brand yourself. And especially if you're a caliber player. If you're an all-star in this league or any league, um, you have that opportunity to elevate your awareness by branding yourself 
And then bringing, like you said, comes with it, that the attention will come with that. The, the, the interest or the wanting to know about something will come after that because they, they realize right. at some point, you know, you as a person, number one, and number two, then they start to dive into more of what is this all about? What's your organization about? What's, you know, all that. Right. So that's a, a beneficial. Um, but I think he does a great job. You can get them at WFACards.com, WFACards.com. And you can search for your favorite team player or regional star. And if, if there isn't anybody there and you want to recommend a player from your team or squad or somebody that isn't being recognized or doesn't want to be recognized, but you prefer to go get and get them noticed, um, just contact him and he's more than likely to get a hold of them and then create a nice card for that individual player that maybe is shy to brand themselves. But it's a good tool, like Holly says, to get the name out and exposure. Um, you can catch the latest. WFA Nation series, and I believe you're on there this week, right, Holly? WFANation.com with uh, Doji Mello, and uh, you can catch it at WFANation.com, or you can go to our Facebook page link as well. So um, great job there by uh, Doji Mello, so shout out to him. Uh, You can go to GI Quindom and check out all the amazing stories of talented young ladies playing no-joke football. Um, GI Quindom does stories on the blog with uh, a lot of uh, talented players, just like Jules does on her blog as well. So it's pretty exciting to keep tabs with that, and she covers a lot of board as well. And that's Adrian Smith at uh, GI Quindom, and she's a Boston Renegades player as well and a USA football um, all-star so from the national team. Um, we go to Mexico. Female Extreme Latino Action Week 4 features the Heartbreakers taking on the champion Beats. The Beats came in uh, unbeaten in 2015 with the title win. The Beats get uh, beat Amazonas in week two, 18-0. to The Heartbreakers come in into this match with an opening season loss to the Jaguars, 16-4. to uh, Heartbreakers fought a tough battle but get edged. Uh, the champions uh, get beat 6-4, to and this is in conjunction with the, uh, the new professional league, men's professional league in Mexico on that same weekend. So the Beats now go into week five to face the undefeated Jaguars, who have outscored uh, opponents 52-0, while the Beats are averaging 24. So be a good matchup in the next week. Uh, Liga Football Monterey kicks off their 2016 campaign. That's full kit. Follow our Facebook page for the results. And the uh, uh, on Facebook, you can follow them at LFM Arena on Facebook. Um, Liga of the LLFB in La Caribbean, which is in Cancun, held their 2015-16 title game. The Barracudas taking on the Naredes. Barracudas shut out the Naredes 19-0 to claim the championship. You can get the uh, recap on our Facebook page as well, or you can go to Facebook and get um, go LFB on there. The Pretty Girls uh, Football League in Mexico, week one kicked off. You get the recaps there on our Facebook page, or you can go to PGLF on Facebook, and you can follow their seasons as well. The champion West Angels, 28-19 over, over the skills. The Evil Queens, 33-22 against the Pretty Monsters. The Medusas, 42-20 against Diosis. The Mama Negras, uh, 28-26 against the Lycans. Um, we go to England. And, Holly, in England, um, the game is just blowing up in England, full kit. Uh, ever since the, the European Championships, which is basically the similar to the IFAB, but they put together right. the European Championships, IFAB European Championships, it has been a whirlwind in Great Britain. Uh, the national squad in the silver silver medalists versus the Swedish team. And so they are just hyped for 2017 at the World Championships. So it's going to be exciting times 
uh, this year because I know the last two years in the championships, there have been like four squads. I really think this coming year you're going to see like maybe eight squads participate in the in the world championships, which is going to be very exciting. Yeah, um, I met a lot of uh, players from Great Britain in the first version of the camp that I went to, um, and uh, quite a few of them I'm still close with, and it's kind of fun to watch them uh, develop over there. Um, so, and again, like the international game, whether it's men or women's football, is uh, I don't think people realize in the States how big it's starting to get. Yeah, it's huge. And and you're talking uh Steve Messenger, um, when the NFL International Series was in this, this past season was in uh, London, uh Steve Messenger is one of the, you know, vo- vocal people kinda like uh, your Sam Rapport in a lot of ways mm-hmm. for the British game in terms of the BAFA official, which is the British American Football Association, you know, league. And so he yeah spearheaded the women's kit side, you know, to try to get the the enthusiasm going. He's the one that actually geared up and, and uh, put the squad together for the Great Britain squad to compete at the IFAB World Championship, I mean, the IFAB European Championships. So, uh, you know, the level of interest, because they have a university system, it really right. votes well for them because the university basically supports them in a lot of ways with the men's teams, kind of similar to Australia in a lot of ways. So it's there's a right. there's a plus there in that way, and they have more of an equality mentality, which is you know if the men support the support the girls in a lot of ways because of the university bonding, so it really helps them right. out tremendously in that way. Um, and they do have two series from what I've you know from since I've been following them, they have a, a flag uh, a flag championship series prior to the full kit series, which is this one here that we're going to talk about right now. The Sapphire series is what they call it. Uh, there's round two of the Sapphire series of the BAFA women 2016 played out this past Saturday and left uh, more teams bruised and battered uh, already suffering from the last round where the Derby Braves who couldn't make the trip to Manchester to fulfill the division one games. Uh, this was due to not being able to field the full squad. And uh, mind you, um, this is a, a, and basically an eight on eight type of competition. So it's not 11 on 11, which is still a, a still good football. I mean, we're talking like the WSFL in the States uh, on the eights. So therefore, risking player safety, they decided they weren't going to play. So no no, no biggie there. That's better than, you know, obviously injuring more people. So on to the action, as somewhat expected, the champion, uh, the two-time champion Birmingham Lions, who have won the Sapphire Series the last two years, continue their dominance uh, in Division One with two shutouts, 28-0 uh, to against Leeds and 43-0 to against Manchester. Uh, so big juggernaut there, and there's, they continued to, you know, win. Division Two North looks to be the most evenly matched. After a good opening round, Edinburgh uh, were pegged back and could not only manage a tie game and narrow loss to the Pirates, eight to six. So they were leapfrogged in the standings by the Teesside Steelers with a tie and a big win against Chester, twelve to six. Chester Lady uh, Romans won their uh, one big against the host team, which is the East Kilride Pirates, forty-six to thirteen. Uh, before succumbing to the Teesside Steelers. Uh, didn't help their division standings as well, but um, it's just interesting how there are certain teams, top two teams are really neck and neck in this in this tournament, and we still have, I think, four rounds, so we still have two more rounds to go. Division 2 South is in danger of becoming the, an exhibition division for the London Warriors. Uh, the Warriors have been dominating their opponents, outscoring their opponents 114-0, to so they are the dominant force right now, and even though Sanwell was tucked in, in nicely behind them in the standings, 
they're going to be their um, they're going to be the better dominant team. So Birmingham at this point, if they get to the the next two rounds, looks like London might be their competitive competition at this point. Uh, Portsmouth and Wembley will be a good test for Sandwell in the race for the second spot. Uh, we can get the latest coverage and everything on the Vafa women. Uh, you can go to our network partner, UK First Down, ukfirstdown.com forward slash Baffa forward slash women. Or you can visit them, obviously, on Facebook at UK First Down. So, really, this tournament is really a staging ground, um, Holly, for trying to get the, you know, the national team pretty much prepared for 2017 at this point, given that they've won silver at Europe at the uh, Europe Championships their mental state is now they, you know, they want to play on that big stage. Um, I will tell you that uh, the first camp I went to in Dallas, I met a lot of players from the UK, including the Birmingham Lions. And I actually have now a Birmingham Lions uh, t-shirt. So uh, shout out to the girls over there. Uh, I wear the awesome. t-shirt around Seattle. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I mean, for me, um, you're you're talking about combining two of my loves, football and traveling. Um, I've traveled a yeah. lot, and I absolutely love different countries and cultures. And and so watching the game develop as well as have it develop internationally is just really fun for me. And um, But, yeah, it sounds like they're <clears throat> trying to get uh, prepared for their uh, national team, and it will be exciting to watch and see how that develops. And yeah, and their main their main competition, you know, really is Sweden and Finland because the the Swedish right. teams and the Finland teams are really the top notch teams in that side of the world in terms of tournament. And obviously, you know, what better gauge if you can compete at that level of the you know the Finland and the Swedish teams? And now the Norwegians, from what we hear from uh, uh, some of our network, the Norwegian teams are obviously setting up their own league now in Norway. Right. So it's going to be pretty interesting in the next couple of years here. And then you also have, uh, you know, the AFVD in, in Germany, the FFA, uh, FFFA in France, which started the Challenge Feminine this, this past uh, month, uh, which is their tournament, basically the women's tournament. And then you also have the CIFA, which is the, um, the Italian league. So a lot of exciting things happening in Europe in terms of women's football excitement. Because everybody knows that this is a big, this is the biggest stage coming down to 2017. I think everybody in that realm of the world wants to be on that competitive stage, and the only uh, everybody's eyeing, I think, USA. So it should be what it should be, you know, to eye the best and try to get that. Right. I mean, and and then obviously Canada being second place. So if you can beat Canada and the U.S. in the tournament somehow, that that's going to go. Uh, it's going to go really great for them in terms of, you know, the effort that they put in, the amount of time they put in, and the level that they've grown to. Uh, I really, it says a lot about the growth of the sport internationally as well. Oh, yeah, for for sure. I think uh, you would see, uh, similar to the U.S. uh, interest in soccer when we've won, uh, you know, had some success at the World Cup stage, uh, especially Mm -hmm. with the women's game that has translated into more interest in soccer in the U.S. And so I think similarly, if you have teams that do uh, well on the international stage, it will just take uh, it will take that uh, momentum back to their country with them. Um, so it should be fun. Uh, I mean, I've had friends with uh, many different 
uh, countries, and, and they all pretty much have said, you know, like, it's your sport, it's an American sport, but they they have fallen in love with the sport just as much as we have, and so it's really fun. It's really fun to watch and play with them. Yeah, and a lot of players, you know, that they played on, like the Spanish team was was didn't do so well in terms of competition, but they're not going to bow down. I mean, I I, I hear for a lot no. from the Spanish uh, Spanish girls, they're up for it. You know, they got beat down in that tournament, the last tournament, and they're looking forward to 2017 to not get beat down again. And a lot of quality players that you're not aware of, and that's I think that's the for me uh, since I started this, you know, way back in 2009. For me, it's been kind of like, you know, blown away. I'm blown away at the fact that we haven't even, you know, because at an NFL level, you get to see the microscope of every player on that on that platform. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like it's it's just like it's in your face, right? But at at a, at a level we're at with the women's game, you, you don't get to see that. You know, you don't get to see the Lisa Horton of the Finland Finland league. Uh, you know, you don't get to see the Lisa Horton of the German League until you get to that stage. Until we get to that IFAB World Championship stage, you don't get to see that. And then when we get to that stage, then you get to see that. You get to see, you know, the defensive beasts on the field, the the the, the offensive beasts on the field, the running backs, the quarterbacks, the top-notch quarterbacks that we don't see vividly on a visual. And we get to see it on a platform that is huge. And that's the exciting thing for me coming into this next year is, you know, how are the Aussies going to do? How are the, right. you know, the British girls going to do? How are the, you know, the Spanish uh, girls are going to rebound, you know, uh, things like that. Because the German, the Canadians and the Americans and the Swedish, you know, all those, the, the Swedish and the Finland teams, usually you can just put them top four, you know what I mean? One, two, three, four. But it's, it, right. it's going to be very exciting to see what, you know, four through eight look like and who's going to stand out between four to eight. And an upset would be the best. The, I think the biggest feeling for me is just the anticipation of of an upset. You know, somebody to beat Team USA. I'm, I'm I don't know if that'll happen, but if somebody pulls out a win against Team USA in the tournament, that is huge. <laughs> that is like yeah, it would be huge. You know what I mean? It's like bragging. You know, because you you have to brag at it because it's, it's one tournament. And if you put a win on US, Team USA, the tournament doesn't come like next week or the week the year after. You you, you can brag for it for for a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, kind of like what, what I said before, we're at the stage with women's football that is kind of similar to what it was with men's basketball when, when you had the dream team. And yeah. that 92 team um, kind of went in and took care of business. But in response, the international teams, you know, they, they started to develop their own programs and it got to be the point where eventually – um, the international game started to catch up. And so you'll eventually start to see that. Um, I mean, there's definitely some talent out there. And I think the biggest the biggest difference between the international game and the American game right now is probably the, the coaching and the, and the knowledge factor because there are athletes across the world that are – athletic and they're capable of being really good football players and there are really good football players on, on different teams out there. What I've seen the most is the development when they come to the camps and they're exposed to a higher level of, of coaching, then their their development as a player is exponential. And it's like that with the American yeah. players too. Um, but yeah. 
the the uh, the contrast is even greater with most of the international teams. Um, there are some, you know, decent coaching staffs out there. But when you're talking about players that are coming from countries that have no lead to begin with, there's no coaching. Right. So, right, right. so for them having having that coaching from from uh, people that have been doing it for you know thirty forty years, um, it's it's an incredible advantage to them to to get that level of coaching, and so then they take that knowledge back with them to their country, and then they start to develop their programs further, and so that sharing of knowledge I think will be the key. Um, because no matter where you go, you're going to have athletes. It's the the knowledge part that is going to really um, set teams apart, I think. Yeah, and and, and that, I think that's the exciting part for a lot of people. I mean, I get excited a lot on a daily basis because, you know, when you network with people, you get to you get exposed to a lot of new individuals, and a lot of people oh. like to you know promote a player or give you insights on a player or an individual. And and that's where I think, you know, social media helps out a lot because it's visuals, it's posts, it's information. So it gives you that avenue that we didn't have in the past. That's why I told people before social media marketing has elevated the game of awareness for even for this sport and so, so many other sports, you know, like rugby and everybody else that has the same issues. But reality is, this sport now has an avenue and a method to really get the word out in a lot more ways. Um, I've interacted with a lot of players online. I tell them all the time on your Facebook post, you have to change your sharing mode when you do a football post because you want to share it with everybody. I understand you want to be private with your own individual posts, but when it comes to your team news or if it becomes to football related, you know, on the female end of things, you really have to, you know, really expose that in a sharing mode where it goes public instead of being private right. so that you can get the word out more. And it's just, it's just marketing. That's really what it boils down to. And once you understand that, oh, you have a lot more opportunities for somebody to be interested in your brand or to, or to come across to a game to view you and see what kind of offers and benefits you have. And it's really what it is. I mean, you got to think of like, to your point earlier, you got to think of yourself as, as a self-branded individual and how do I get, you know, the customer to come to me to be interested right. in my product and my value. Um, so I think when well, everybody starts to learn that, you'll see that. Yeah, basically it's it's like you are selling your own business, right? So you're going out there, right. and if you start a business selling widgets out there, then you need uh, a marketing plan. You need to, like, have, like you said, brochures or business cards or, or a, a website to promote your your brand or nobody's going to know what it is or know even that it exists to buy it, right? So it's the same, it's the same right. thing for sure. Um, and I think more people start to understand that. I, I'm already seeing people start to trickle down that way. And the more people understand that and start treating themselves like that, um, it's basically like dressing for the for the job that you want, it's, it's right. acting like a professional athlete even before you're not. And so that's right. why, like you said, like sharing the posts and stuff, like I have, <clears throat> I have my main uh, Facebook page and then I also have like a fan slash like branding page where I like have another avenue where I can put my blog post and and, and it also helps me because, you know, I have 20,000 awesome football videos that I share all the time, right? And that way I have a place to send it to without bugging my, my normal 
friends list with 20,000 football videos, you know. <laughs> so it's it's um it's a way that I can uh streamline everything a little bit better. Um and so I've noticed more people doing that. The other thing I wanted to say about the international game is I don't know if you know, but on my Seattle team, there is a player from Japan uh, named Emmy, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and it's been really, really cool because at the camp, right, so she uh, moved to Seattle from Japan, and uh, she's played in Japan for several years, um, uh, but uh, she got a job over here and really wanted to play football, too, so she contacted our team, and she's a solid, solid, uh, solid player. Uh, she's been playing on the, some on the offensive line, uh, also on the defensive line, and it, it was evident to me even with uh, uh, she understands most English and she she's uh, able to communicate fairly well, uh, but even with any kind of language barrier, it, the language of football speaks for itself, and I could tell that she's played. She has uh, you know pretty strong footwork and she's quick and she she works really hard. And the cool thing is when she was at camp. She had two other friends from Japan with her, and so there is uh, there's three of them, and so there's Emmy, and I can't remember her other friend's name, but she's been playing for a couple years, and then there is her other friend uh, named Raina, who literally has started playing football like six months, and she was adorable because she didn't speak hardly any English, um, but she went around with her little like notebook. And she would have you write your English, you know, version of your name in her notebook, and then she translate it into Japanese, and then she'd take nice. my pictures with everybody, and it was so it was so awesome. And then so I got to watch her, uh, you know, uh, she plays running back. I got to watch her in the, in the first game play some running back too, and and she was a tough little running back. Uh, it was kind of fun to watch, um, and and so. Just events like that, when you're all realize that you're all interconnected, and and that football is like this giant fraternity that doesn't matter where you're from or what team you play on or what country you live in. If you play football and you love it, you can you have an instant family, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's great, and that's the one thing that that's the one thing I'm saying. It's like you you get so passionate because you you don't realize the the amount of individuals out there that are that have the love for the same sport you have you know there's no right. there's no ceiling or or there's nothing stopping it um you know when we started going through that that aspect of it when i started this i tell people when i started this it was the LFL okay that was our right. first uh, first part, first thing that we started with on our legend on our facebook page it was the LFL then we got, you know, into a, an evolution stage beyond the LFL, which is, you know, you get into the, the full kit leagues. And then you start to realize that it's just not one league, not just the, you know, the United States. It's Canada. It's Mexico. It's you know, Germany. It's, uh, you know, the Swedish, the Finnish. I mean, you start looking at it in a, in a thing where it just blows your mind because the full kit leagues are basically in the shadows right now. It's really what it boils down right. to. Nobody knows about them. It's 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 coming, but the storm isn't so huge yet that you you're exposed to it. But you can see it in in that aspect of it. Um, you know, the exposure is where the marketing side things that I've talked to a lot of people about, and that's what it really boils down to for this sport to go to the next level. It has to be a business mind minded set. It has to be a tr- strategic marketing aspect of it. You know, the top players 
you, you have to do what everybody else does. When you go to a magazine, you know, you go to magazines and stuff, what, is, what are the magazines doing for you? They're exposing you. You know, they're exposing a player. Right. It doesn't have to be in a bad way, but there is exposure there. And the exposure is what drives the customer in for your branding. And I think when right. everybody understands that basic aspect of it, you know, Holly, you're injured right now, right? The next right. couple months, right, you got rehab going on, right? Oh, yeah. Any fan, any fan at an NFL level would have, like, microscoped you right now from the hospital all the way down to your, you know, <laughs> to your home, right? Right. right? You would have been, like, berated by the all this mess, mess press and how are you going to get back and how long is it going to be and all this other stuff. And so right. you don't have that level right now. But you can still have your fans dive into your world, like you said, with your um, alternative fan page where you're going to post, you know, hey, this is my workout for today and this is, a, this is where I'm at, you know, six weeks okay. week in. So your journey can still be covered uh, and put together to where the fans of the Seattle Mist or somebody that follows you and really loves the way you play can still dive into your life, like you said, without intruding into your real life. But they still get a side right. of you that says, I'm making strides. I'm getting better. I should be back sooner than I'm anticipated. And people would people like to hear that. People like to see the fact that you are overcoming something. It's a it's an it's a story that it can be told over and over because it is relevant. Number one. Number two is because the fans really appreciate the fact that you're putting in all that time for you know for yourself, but also for you to get back to showcase your talents on the field and people like to see talents on the field and appreciate the player. And that's really what the, what it boils down to the appreciation of the player, the journey to that level, and then the fans will dive into it. And when you start to realize that in a, on a social media marketing aspect, I don't want to bore everybody here the last 10 minutes, but when you start to realize that you start to realize that yes, branding, as we talked about before is key. And obviously the avenue of how you brand yourself is even more key because that brings you uh, attention and it gets you um, an audience that wasn't there before. Right. No, um, I definitely, one of the things that I thought about as I was going through, you know, um, uh, working through the mental and emotional aspect of being injured uh, was that for me, having a season off, um, it's probably going to actually be good in the long run because it's another season that I'm not playing, that I'm not taking that wear and tear on my body that I normally would take. So it's kind of a rebooting session for me. And at the same time, the thing I was thinking about is, okay, well, now I have more time to write. So I figured, you know what, I'll be uh, very open about my rehab, um, uh, you know, procedures and what I'm going through because when you're injured like this and you you go to, like, Google and you're like, what to expect on rehab and, you know, you get so many variations and, and it's just really dry and there's not really a whole lot of direction. So the way that I'm thinking about it is, okay, well, maybe you have an opportunity to help somebody else through this. So um, I have other people that I'm going to talk to that have gone through um, injuries of this, of this level and kind of pick their brain and, and work with my doctors and, and see if I can put some information out there that, you know, uh, as I start to rehab, maybe somebody else that uh, uh, goes through this has a, a starting point of information that they can use. 
So uh, that's the way I'm kind of viewing it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that you guys made an effort um, to do the things on Periscope because it's it's a new platform, and I think it was great for the ga- for the World Games to be showcased even on a you know even on a small platform like Periscope. It gave you insight. Right. Um, I thought it was awesome, you know, because it was like real life. It it felt like you were there. Um, you know, it felt like you were just like sitting right next to you on that grass, you know, sitting right there kicking up your legs and stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of yeah. unique. And and, and, um, and speaking of that, we are going to have um, my two co-hosts, if they can recover from their colds, uh, uh, on April 9th, we are going to have our first Periscope broadcast. Um, at this point, we're working it out to see if it's going to be on our channel or it's going to be on their individual Periscope accounts. So one one way or the other, we're going to have uh, sideline interviews and some cool stuff from the DC Divas versus the Dallas Elite, uh, which is the uh, rematch of the 2015 WFA Championship. And I can tell you from talking to Odessa and Rich Daniel last week, um, it's going to be a great one. And I think everybody should you know be up for that game. Uh, this is just like I think this is the first in the league where you have the, uh, you know, the previous championship teams meet in the regular season. So historic moment for the WFA uh, and for us fans, it's a huge, it's to have those two teams and the quality of players on both of those squads. I mean, former USA players, uh, top notch, as you said before, from, you know, from the camps, um, you got Hamlin uh, going up against, you know, um, I think it's uh, Bushman. Yeah. So Bushman and Hamlin, I mean, you can't have any better uh, spectacle there. And then you got Jenkins. Um, and so it's just, it's going to be a great game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to April 9th at this point. And it's going to be our first broadcast. So we're kind of excited on our end that this is going to be huge. It's not going to be a full broadcast, but it's going to be a Periscope type inside and an out moment. So I think that's more beneficial um, because we don't want to kill our data plan <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but uh you know how that goes with that. Um, but, you know, it's going to be insights and, and tidbits in and out, so we're really excited for that. And, and I'm pretty sure Rich said there is going to be an audio broadcast, too, so they're working on that, too. So uh, so we're looking forward to that day. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a really good game to pick because, obviously, uh, I was at the championship game last year, and it was a really good game, and there's some uh, real talent on both sides, and there's also – uh, uh, really good personalities on both sides, so you'll get some good interviews for sure. Uh, I mean, Periscope something I kind of stumbled onto during the Super Bowl <laughs> because uh, I was supposed to go to a Super Bowl event, um, and then mm-hmm. I ended up not feeling that great, so I stayed home. And I was going—I'm one of those people that decided to cut the the cable, so I just stream everything. And so I was trying to sure. find the Super Bowl online, and you had to, like, be a Verizon uh, carrier or a person if you want to do it on your phone. And then there was all these hiccups, like, on my computer. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I still want to watch it. So I found Periscope. And it was cool because, like you said, I was viewing the Super Bowl like I was sitting next to the person in their seats in the Super Bowl. And it, it was yeah. actually a quicker feed because even live TV has a little delay on it. Right. And so that was really yeah. cool. And then, and then I like bounce around to somebody's Super Bowl party and it's like, I'm sitting on the couch with them eating chips and talking to the random aunt who's talking about, you know, football and the commercials and stuff. And, and then I fell in love with it because you can jump around in different countries. So like one minute yeah. I'm in India 
watching this guy's view from a balcony and there's traffic because there's a song that came on and they all want to dance. And then I'm in Mexico and the, and the, uh, the Pope is coming. And then I'm in uh, Ireland and then like, it's just really, really cool. And so um, I apologize probably for my, my choppy videoing. Um, you, um, I probably do need to get a selfie stick. I was just, I totally forgot about it until I was through camp, and I was like, oh my gosh, no, I should probably do I was that. Just joking. <laughs> I was just, I was just throwing joking at you because I was like, you're gonna <laughs> drop that camera. <laughs> it looked like you were gonna probably drop oh, that man. camera. I was thinking duct tape uh, and a stick would have worked better, but you, you know how that works. Duct tape probably, joking. and then also I think I, at some points, like I was trying to multitask, so I like, tried to like video. Uh, you know what was going on and stretch at the same time and like get all oh, yeah. together and and uh, but, but yeah it, but it was really cool it was really cool to see yeah. it, it it made you feel like like you said earlier it made you feel like you were sitting right next to you you know in the facility right. inside the facility you got that you got that vibe that you were sitting there <laughs> like literally right. sitting there with everybody um, so that I thought that was the really the coolest thing so uh, all of us appreciate it everybody that was watching. Really appreciate the effort um, to do that. Not, not a problem. Like the other thing um, uh, that I'll do here probably later this week is I have um, some Periscope video and I also have some uh, normal video I took that uh, I'm going to edit together kind of as a highlight video of the week. Um, it'll include some uh, speeches from uh, the coaches and stuff that we had. And uh, there's some really good uh, stuff that happened that I want to kind of put together so once I do I'll, I'll tag you guys in it and, uh, we can post it out everywhere but I want to show people how awesome it was basically yeah I know and it's it's good to get it out there because that's like it's going to give everybody the real feel of what it really was about you know it wasn't just where you just posted and no oh, big deal it's just a tournament but when you get the real life feed and you get the emotion into it uh, I think people would kind of draw into it that way um, so Periscope's going to be new for us, new platform for us. Um, and I, I wanted to, uh, before we leave here, we got a couple minutes. I want to thank everybody that has supported us since day one, uh, that has been on every social platform that we do. We just reached 15,000 uh, followers uh, this past week. So I want to say thank you to everybody for allowing us to be a part of your life every day on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on Pinterest. Uh, now Periscope and coming down the pipe here, uh, as well as on, uh, you know, obviously Zazzle.com. But I want to thank everybody in that. Without you and without everything that you do for us in terms of sharing and retweeting and getting the word out and networking with us, which is the key right there, is uh, a lot of amazing people behind the backgrounds uh, that feed information to me, that get the information to you, and that's how it works. So it's not like myself. A lot of people say, you don't go to sleep. I never, yeah, we go to sleep. Just unfortunately, it's two different time zones. While I'm sleeping, somebody's awake, and while I'm awake, somebody's sleeping. So, but that's how the world works. Uh, but other than that, appreciate everybody's support, continued support for the awareness project. Um, we're making strides along with other folks like Holly and Alal uh, Doji Mello, um, you know, Rich Daniel at the Women's Football Foundation, obviously Sam and Jen and Sam Gordon and everybody else. Uh, it's just, you know, everybody's doing a little bit of everything in terms of getting the awareness out. And, uh, now it's sort of, you know, it's going to be great when we see it to that, to that level of professionalism. Hopefully we get to see it, uh, in my time where, you know, there's women pro football and women are getting paid. So that's going to be awesome. But, uh, 
other than that, Holly, I think it's over. I thank you for making the time to be with us. Uh, it's been great talking to you for the last almost hour and a half. Uh, Jules Hartsbarger, uh, thank you for coming in from Chicago Blitz for being a part of our show today. And uh, last minute fill in, and I really appreciate making that time. Thank you uh, so much for having me. No problem. It was fun. Awesome. So, uh, Holly, you're going to be editing some good stuff. So we'll, you heard it here first. So we'll look forward to the, the edit stuff on Periscope on, on Holly Custis, and we'll share it as well. And so, Holly, uh, I would you know welcome you onto the show, and we talked about it off the air here. So if you got some free time on Tuesdays, more than happy to get your insights and your point of view on what's going coming down, especially now we got the draft coming up, we got OTAs and everything else, and then your Niners in transition as well. So it would be kind of interesting to point of view from that. So uh, hopefully Seattle Majestics have a good season, um, you know, without you, which will be with you. It would probably be a better better season, but hopefully everything will keep intact and they have a great season as always. Um, so we'll catch you uh, on the Blitz next uh, next week, guys, when Nkishi and Troy hopefully are back. Thanks again to Holly Custis for being a part of the show today and being co-host, and then uh, to Jules uh, Harshberger for the Chicago Blitz for coming in to uh, give us her insights as well. Catch you guys next week on the Blitz right here on Blog Talk Radio and at ultimatesportstalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.